Hey folks, welcome to our podcast. Uh, this is the year. Episode two. This is, uh, my name is Eric Bizzari. This is Mark Weingast. And uh, we are your host slash connoisseurs and uh, creative makers of the podcast. Yeah, here to take you on this wild journey. Taking of- a, an incredibly wild journey. Um, where are you listening right now? Are you in your car? Are you driving in traffic? Maybe, maybe you're having a meal. Maybe you're sharing a meal. Maybe, maybe you're sharing a meal with your family. You're sharing a meal with your family and you're like, hey, you know what? Let's put on this is the year. Let's let's have that in the background. That's such a weird concept of just <laughs> listening to a podcast with your entire family. This isn't like it's a trivia game. This isn't Jeopardy. <laughs> I put on, I actually, I had a podcast on once and uh, my, uh, my family's in the next room and uh, it was just playing whatever in the kitchen and, and, and I'd, I'd come home and they come down and they, they come into the kitchen. They're like, I thought you had someone here with you. Like I thought you had a friend over or something. And I'm like, no, it's just a podcast. <laughs> it, and like to me, I find podcasts a very solitary experience. I have to have that with my headphones on. I don't listen yeah. to it out in the open. I'm yeah. not used to listening it in, in a car somewhere with Bluetooth capability to follow me in just every room that I'm in. I'm not yeah. even used to having like a Google Home Mini inside my room. Oh my God. It's a one piece of tech that my parents do not want in the house. They don't want Google listening in on everything that I do. I mean, it, it, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because my, so last year uh, we got the Google Home for the first time. And my dad received it as a present and it's a whole big thing. That's how it starts out. It's always a present. Oh, it's – well, here's the thing is that my mom freaks out because she's like, you realize they're watching us now. Like you realize they're listening to us, right? Like they are listening to everything we say in order to judge what advertisements or whatever. I'm like, oh, come on. That's ridiculous. And we were talking about – what were we talking about? I think we were talking about some movie or we were talking about some product – and I go on Instagram like an hour later and I see an ad for that product. Scroll up on Instagram. So my mom kind of makes fun of it sometimes. So when we have it on, she's just like, I'm going to kill my children. I'm going to kill my children. But I don't want anybody to find out. I'm going to kill my children. I don't want anybody to find out. And, and it's this whole uh, strange thing. See, I've already given into the fact that Google, Amazon, they're already listening to all of us. They've got they, – like these giant conglomerates, they already know everything about us. I even before like having a Google or uh, Google Home or having the Amazon Alexa, yeah. uh, w- my family, we were always convinced that there are always cameras or microphones in our house just listening to everything that we do, specific ideas for movies or television shows yeah. or, or just uh, news events. And it's just going to happen. And it happens like maybe days later, months later. And it's just such a weird – I don't know if it's serendipity, if it's coincidence mm-hmm. or if it's just – you know, life being random. No, I mean like they're definitely – no, they're definitely listening to us and like judging advertisements based off that. But what was funny is that what after right after we got it, my nunna tried – my grandmother tried using it. And I have this really funny video on my phone of her trying to use it. She's like trying to get it to play her station, like her Italian station. And uh, it would – it just wouldn't cooperate. And we'll post that. <laughs> I – really want to post that video. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of like Googles and emails, like there there was something that came into my inbox about last week and I sign up for, you know, all these weird newsletters and deals 
And one of one of these newsletters that I have is just like an extras casting agent. So I, I got this email and the title is Space Jam 2 is coming. Here's how to be in it, dot, dot, dot. And it's like this cast, this extras casting is like, we're seeking for one actor, 11 to 14 years old, to play African-American male or female. Are for you the, kidding? And it's in bold, role of LeBron's second child, again, for Space Jam 2. And I love Space Jam. It might not be the greatest film, but, you know, it, it, it's part of my childhood. I got to see how they're going to you know, do it for the new age. Oh, my God. And it's like. Why am How I? They, but what newsletter? Because you do you subscribe to those like so you subscribe to those casting newsletters. Yeah, right. That just sends you, and this can come from anywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's like extras casting, and you know if they put out an open call for something. So like I've seen it for like Star Wars. I've seen it for Suicide Squad. You know, it just it just filters through every now and then. So are you going to do it? No, I can't. I'm not 11 to 14. Like <laughs> here's the thing: they're seeking African American male or female. But you have to be 11 to 14, and it says here in bold, must have exceptional basketball skills, which I do not have. <laughs> I, it's just as much as this opportunity would be amazing, I know I can't do it. That's quite funny. That's quite funny. You should you should post that. You should forward that to all the young uh, African-American kids that you know. I don't know if I do know any. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of creepy if I was the one, you know, hanging out with these 11 to 14 year olds. How dare you assume that I do that? How old are you? How old are you when the first uh, Space Jam came out? Uh, would have been 1996. I was about three when it came out. But I remember like having it on VHS and it always and like with every VHS, it came with like this little collector's silver coin that I still have to this day, yeah. which is like on one side has this very bad likeness of Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny on one side. And on the other side, it has the Monstars or at least three of them. I don't know. I haven't seen this coin in a while, but I do have it still. Interesting. And, you know, I loved watching it as a kid because even though I wasn't into basketball, I knew who Michael Jordan was mm-hmm. and I loved Looney Tunes. So, you know, it's kind of a win win there. Yeah. No, that's the way I felt as well. And and uh, I think subconsciously, subconsciously, Michael Jordan somehow became like my favorite basketball player. But I don't watch basketball. I don't play basketball. Like that's – I'm not immersed in that world. But for some reason, seeing him in Space Jam, I was like, this guy is is a great player. He's he's now my favorite. Well, I you mean know? that's what happens when it, it's just like there, there, there's one player that just you know transcends the sport and just becomes this pop culture icon. And like that was Michael Jordan in the 90s for us. I mean uh, if I can think of like who represents the NHL, it's like Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin because you got that rivalry. Who really embodies the NFL? Other than Colin Kaepernick, maybe you'd say like Tom Brady, who who is basically the NBA now. It's LeBron James, so it only makes sense. Yeah. But going back to Space Jam, uh, there there's always an element of a of a kids film that would scare me, always. So in yeah. Hercules, it was the Hydra. With um, Lion King, it it was the Stampede. With Beauty and the Beast, it was just the whole entire concept of you know all the things in the castle coming to life. Yeah. And with Space Jam, it was the transformations of the monsters of like the like the little aliens and when they steal the basketball powers from um like Patrick oh, Ewing yeah. and oh man, who else who else? Charles Barkley. I can't even remember who else is in that uh who's in that sequence. But like they transform and like that would scare me. 
because like the how they're characterized, it's just really big and scary. Yeah. So I, I mean, like I s- said before, it's like I have done some extras work before in film. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not even qualified. I'm not. I'm like the furthest thing away from that. I can't even do that. <laughs> I used to be. So I used to act until I was about like 17 or 18, and uh, I auditioned for a whole bunch of stuff. Like I, I, I'd say I auditioned for a lot of the big like family movies between the years of <clears throat> let's say like 2005 to 2014. Yeah. So a lot of, or no, sorry, even later. I know uh, probably oh. 2000, no, no, 2000, 2013. And I, it was, it was, it was, it was nuts. It was like, I auditioned for, um, I auditioned for, uh, like hotel for dogs. Do you remember that Emma Roberts oh, yeah. movie? Never watched um, it. Speed, me neither. Speed racer. Finally saw that last year and I loved it. I, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Speed Racer and a lot of like TV series and I ended up doing this episode of an animated show and uh, I played a Chinese boy. I had no idea oh, I was playing a Chinese boy. Oh, yeah. I had no I, idea I, I think you've told me the story before. But Did I tell you the story? Yeah, you said it last week. Oh, geez. Yeah, so who do we have on to talk to today? So we have Adam Wheatner. Adam Wiener's on the show today. Uh, Adam's the founder of Astrolab Studios. Which we are recording in right now. We're recording in Astrolab Studios. Um, he, yeah, so he is the founder. And uh, we talked about uh, we talked about a lot of stuff. It was, it was a really great conversation. Um, in particular, <clears throat> we talked about, well, as, as business owners, uh, you know, what are some of the struggles, I guess. But also uh, we chatted about young creators. And why supporting young creators is 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 big, um, but also some like takeaways from our, from our own personal lives um, that we've learned going through going throughout the process. And I think that's a really <clears throat> I think that's a really interesting topic to cover uh, because I think no matter how old you are, whenever you're you're venturing into anything new, any any opportunity, uh, again, you're always going to take something away from it, right? Um, I had a really, <clears throat> I had a really interesting conversation um, with uh, a former boss, and it was about uh, it was about time management, managing your time, and uh, being on time for uh, for people, and that's something that like, you know, people who know me well know that I struggle with, and you know, um, it's 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 a uh, it's a thing, and so uh, we you know we just talked about like. You know, being on time, respecting somebody else's time, uh, is therefore you know you, you will you will receive that respect back. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so I watched. Um, well, sorry, I listened to one of Anthony Bourdain's podcasts. Okay. From a while back, and he talked about. He said the greatest thing that he learned uh, as a young as a young chap. <laughs> he was like I, I think he said he was like seventeen or eighteen. Um, is being on time for shit. It's just being on time for shit, right? The moment that you start being late and you start being consistently late, you lose that trust. You break that trust with that other person, right? So that's what I thought was interesting. <clears throat> and in this interview, we we don't touch about up, upon that specifically, but we 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 talk about uh, these little lessons that we've learned um, and this idea of like you know it's not personal, it's just business kind of thing and. Um, learning, I guess, to, to trust people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, that's always an, an element that I learned at a film school, which is like early is on time and on time is late. And if you're late, you're fired, basically. Yeah. And it, it's always just, you know, having that kind of mutual respect between employer, employee or, you know, mentor to student, student or protege to mentor or that, that sort Whoever, of Whoever, even exactly. between families. Well, it's just it's just a uh, it's a staple. It's a it's a, you know. It's it's something specific, right? Um, yeah. So that's so that's what we touched on that in in the interview with Adam. Not like not being late specifically, but the these moments and the lessons we've learned uh, in coming into our own, right? And and you know uh, both owning businesses and both being creators in our own respect. Uh, what are these little lessons that we've taught ourselves or or have been taught or are teaching other people um, in order to get to where we want to be? Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a great chat. It was a great time. And, uh, this is, this is our interview. Welcome. Wow. This is amazing. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on board. Uh, it's good to see you again. It's good to have you on. Um, so you are officially our, uh, first guest of this is the year. How do you feel? Uh, it's an honor. <laughs> Absolute honor. Amazing. Um, cool. So I guess, uh, well, uh, you know, everybody knows that we do record this at Astrolab Studios. Um, and Adam, you are the founder of Astrolab Studios. Um, for those who don't know, can you, uh, I guess, chat a little bit about Astrolab and, uh, and where it came from? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, Astrolab is at its core is a facility, really. It's a studio and it's a place where you know you have you can get your gear uh, and you can shoot stuff um, like fundamentally that's what it is but um, I think what it really is is it's a, a place for a safe place for people you know of all sort of skill levels and budgets etc uh, to to feel that they can express themselves and uh, and try different things and um, experiment and um, you know, amazing, make stuff. Yeah, totally. Right? And, and so when you were, um, so when you were, uh, I guess coming up with the studio and stuff, let's, let's take a, I guess let's take a step back. Um, when you were coming up with this idea, mm -hmm. right. For the studio and everything, where, where did that idea stem from to actually like to actually create a studio or were you, yeah. were you always like in the creative field of not at all making? no no well i like if you really want to go really back I, i'll try to condense this story i've told it a number of times so i should have figured out a shortened way by now yeah um i basically uh when i finished high school i got into uh construction i was a framer so for oh. the first uh, about three years um out of high school you know i didn't go to university as many assume <laughs> Um, I built houses and I thought that'd probably be what I would do the, for the rest of my life because I actually enjoyed it. Woodshop was like the only class that I ever did well in. Um, and so I thought, you know, I found my true calling, but I kept hearing from the older guys. So I'll call them the older guys would always say to me, like, what are you doing here, kid? Get out of here. You know, you're too smart for this shit. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm learning and every day I walk away and I can see, look at my creation today. Like, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, but you know, when you do it forever, it gets, it's the same old shit every time. 
trust us once you're going to hate it. Right. So anyway, I, I heeded that advice and I started some soul searching and, um, for quite some time I was pursuing becoming a firefighter, um, and going down that whole path. Um, but through my research and, and starting to get into sort of like looking to even start applying for some schools and stuff like that. Um, I discovered that most firefighters, um, especially in suburban Burlington where I grew up and was at the time, mm. spent a lot of time sitting around the firehouse. And the idea of sitting around to me, like, no, I just, I yeah, can't, I can't like, do that. Yeah. The good thing was I had a million options. Uh, I had very supportive parents who, you know, basically just, they wanted me to be happy and, you know, whether that meant being a construction worker or whatever it was, as long as I wasn't a bum on the street or a drug dealer, they were cool with it. Mm -hmm. So, so they supported you. No totally. Yeah. yeah. Like when I told my dad, I, I didn't know actually like if they would be willing to pay for me to go to school, seeing that like I, you know, I had been a bit of a schmuck through high school and I, um, you know, what, how, you know, what, what uh, expectations could they really have of me in college seeing my performance in high school. Right. So I had wondered, would they pay? But I, I remember telling my dad that I wanted to go to college I just had to figure out what for, but I definitely wanted to go to college and I was wondering, you know, would he be able to help me with the, to cover the cost of it? And he didn't even hesitate for like a half a second. He was like, Oh my, yes, you want to go to college done. Where do you want to go? Like, when are you leaving? <laughs> I think awesome. he just wanted me to go away maybe for a little while, but <laughs> nevertheless. So I ended up going to school. I studied public relations. So again, really random. Uh, and, and it's like, my path is so crazy and all over the place, but I love it. Uh -huh. Um, so I studied PR and, um, I learned, you know, a lot about writing and messaging and, um, you know, dealing with the media, of course, that's what public relations really is all about. Yeah. Uh, so I learned a, a, a lot about all that stuff. Um, and I went from being like a, just getting by student doing the bare minimum I possibly could to just not fail to like A's my, I had one C. Funny enough, the one C I had was in film studies, if you can believe it. Oh, film studies wasn't a mandatory course. It was an elective, and I picked it because I thought, oh, this should be pretty bird course, you know. Yeah. I have enough on my plate with my mandatory courses. Like, I need my electives to be easy. So I picked it thinking it was going to be fun and easy. Uh -huh. It was – the course content was whatever, but the, the professor was just terrible. Like, put oh. you to sleep right away, just really bad – yeah. And so I actually got, that was the only course. Anyway, again, I digress. This is going to end up being like a, your longest episode probably because <laughs> of my digressions. No, this is good. Cause again, I didn't know, I didn't know any of this about you, yeah, but, yeah. but I still find it interesting that communication was kind of your, uh, your target. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you still enjoyed learning more about people, even in the media communication. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Um, where did you go? I studied at Algonquin college in Ottawa. Cool. The PN just outside of Ottawa. Cool. It was uh, like a suburb of Ottawa, I guess. It, yeah. it was great. I loved it there. Ottawa's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. It, you know, it's not, it doesn't have quite the opportunity that Toronto does as far as, you know, the creative industries, creative industries are concerned. So that's yeah. how I ended up here. Yeah. Um, and I did grow up in Burlington, which is much closer to here. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but Ottawa's a great town. Anyway, again, <laughs> um, so I studied PR around the time when I was finishing college which was in 2000 and shit when did i finish um seven i think i finished 2007 okay and 
at that time, social media was like really starting Just to become starting. a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause that's when I was in, uh, well, I was in grade, uh, <laughs> I was in grade five in 2005 and then. Wait, what? How? No, hang on. I'm not that yeah. much older than you. You're not. Wait, I'm 35. Right. Yeah, How old I'm are 20, you? 23. So 12 years. Yeah. That's not. That's not wait, when I was in college, you were in fucking grade five? <laughs> <laughs> what? This is blowing my mind right now. That's why I was nervous to because say, yeah. It I, feels... I remember, I remember 2005 like it was yesterday. Me too. That's yeah. what I mean. Like it literally yeah. feels not that long ago at all. Because that was the year that Facebook launched. And on yeah. the first day of grade five, <laughs> this girl named Julia turned to me and said, hey. And I said, hey, how's it going? And our first conversation, like I was, it was a new school too. Uh, it's just been built. And so I was like, do you think we're going to get a lot of homework? She's like, I'm not sure. But do you have Facebook? I'm like, what's Facebook? And then she made fun of me for like a week that I didn't have Facebook. And like, oh, people wow. were like how do you, like, how is, are you, are you serious? And so yeah. I remember 2005 very well. Well, I was one of the cool kids as well who had it early. Uh. I probably would have made fun of you for not knowing. <laughs> and, uh, and because of that fact, um, I didn't really know a lot about using it as a marketing tool. I'll be honest, but yeah. it didn't matter because I knew the platform well. And I was also of the age of a lot of the, the, the brands that I ended up working with were targeting and it just kind of worked. So I, so anyway, I ended up in agency mm. and the reason that I did that was that because again, there were these brands that were basically saying, Hey, we really want to get on social media, but we're nervous about it. Uh, we still like, you know, if we're going to make an ad like a TV spot or even something, maybe a, a digital ad, we're mm -hmm. still going to go to our ad agency probably to create it for us. But we want you to handle the messaging because we trust you with our message. You guys know messaging. Yeah. And you're like our 911 people and you'll keep us out of trouble online. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of brands were getting themselves in hot water and it was a very it was a whole new world. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Brands knew that it was a land of opportunity, but it was also a scary land, right? Yeah. So they came to us. And so I got all this wicked opportunity just because of the simple fact that I knew the platforms and could speak intelligently about them to a degree, I guess you could say it would sound intelligent anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like if I were to talk to a kid now, a quote unquote kid about Snapchat, like they would, I would be like, yeah, you're, the, I need you to run my Snapchat because. I'm old balls and like, I don't know Snapchat. I never got on it. I don't, yeah. I tried, I downloaded it and I was like, what the fuck? Snapchat, Snapchat's still new though. I think Snapchat's just like 2013 it's, maybe. Or like yeah. It blew up, still, yeah. you know, a like, few years ago. But yeah. at that time I was like, no, I'm not, I don't want another yeah, thing. Another thing. Yeah. I've been on social since Facebook was brand new. Twitter was new. Like, forget yeah. it. I'm done yeah. with this shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was kind of over it. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so I ended up working in social media and in social media, um, you know, obviously social media re requires content, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, actually we used to post text only updates if you can believe that. So <laughs> there used to be a number of, uh, like of you our... would subscribe to the number and the number would, of the company would text you. No, no, oh. no, no. See, this is like a whole, probably a generational thing. Although you would have been on these platforms then, Yeah. but Facebook uh, it used to be quite common to just do like a straight up text only update. Like people would do that. They would just post like a whatever people do it once in a while now still, or they use those stupid, like little art things where it makes like a picture with the oh, words, but, yeah, yeah. but 
anyway, but as a like brands, we used to do that on brand pages, like just like some random saying or like a quote or something with no oh, image sorry. whatsoever, okay, like yeah, text no. only, just text. Understand. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So that, that, yeah. that dates me a bit. But anyway, <laughs> I don't even know what my point of making that point was. The point was that well, you just, needed content. Yeah. Well, right? just the type of, well, how content was perceived back then and how it's perceived now, because now it's all images, right? But people totally. want something to look at. People want something to, to view. When you see yeah. text, it's, it's, it's nowhere well, near as Well, text requires reading. So what the yeah. fuck is that all about? Well, it's almost, <laughs> well, it's almost, it's almost when people used to post in each other's walls on Facebook. Yeah, totally. It was I just love text, that. right? Yeah. Or like when it was your birthday and people would post happy birthday on your, on your wall. And like, if you didn't have like over a hundred people messaging you, it's like, well, ah, yeah, okay. I actually you know? took my birthday off Facebook just because I couldn't deal with it anymore. I got so sick and tired of it. Um, oh, seriously? That's a whole other thing. Let's try and stick to, uh, yeah, the so, subject at hand. So, so because I was in social media and because social media needs content, I became a content creator. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like to call myself a creator. I feel like that's a term that gets thrown around a lot these days. It's like this catchphrase thing. I'm a creator. Blah, blah. Yeah. I, I, and that, that's no disrespect, by the way, to the community. No, no. I love all of the creators equally and we're all special <laughs> children. But um, I never thought of myself as a creator, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, but that made me a creator. Anyway, mm -hmm. you know, throughout my career, there definitely were times where we were shooting something in a boardroom on a boardroom table using lights that we got off eBay for like 70 bucks because that was all the agency was willing to purchase. And mm. like the quality was just like, you know, it was okay. It was passable. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't amazing. Mm -hmm. And I tried to find options for like a studio where you could maybe just go for a few hours and they would have most of what you need there, at least like the heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're just bringing like a product or a person or like your talent or, you know, maybe a camera or two. And that's it, right? And your lenses. But everything else would kind of be there and pretty much ready to go. Like super turnkey. Yeah. So that you weren't renting a van and sending a PA around the city or doing it yourself. Because mm -hmm. um, that wasn't feasible with the money we were working with. And it didn't exist. So that was the initial idea for Astrolab was like, I'm going to create this little sort of creator studio, if you will, this little sort of this little hub, this little, like this, yeah, yeah, not, but I keep saying little because I want to emphasize that because it was little and the idea for it was much smaller than what it became. Yeah. And it would, the idea was to set it up as I came from agencies and I knew that if I did it right, Agencies would love it. So I wanted to set up where there are a bunch of agencies, which is a good there, – there's a few pockets around, but a really good hub for agencies is Liberty Village. There's yeah. a whole bunch of them there. Yeah. So I thought if I could be in there, it's a really cool, trendy area, and I'm close to these agencies, and I'll just have like one small studio probably, you know, maybe some other creative spaces like edit suites and stuff like that, just mm -hmm. little bays and areas that you could – book up hourly and you're among the neighborhood too like it works. yeah yeah um like a co-working space but for more like professional studio stuff yeah that was like really the initial idea um and it only grew out of um pure necessity and the reason that was is that i had looked all over liberty village and 
I don't even want to know what the rates are now, but even three years ago or four years ago when I was looking for a lease, the rates were insane. Um, I'm sure they're just even more crazy now. Um, to, to run a business like I, you know, I had a model and I, I broke it all down and it was like to, to be profitable, mm-hmm. to, to, to have a, you know, a money-making business, um, with those type of rental rates was going to be a real challenge. Um, looking at what I could realistically charge for the space. Yeah. Really, really difficult. Even now it's going to be difficult. I mean, it's a, it's a constant battle. Yeah. But, uh, um, also, I guess I'm assuming competing against other studios who also rent out their space because you don't want to be more expensive than them, but you want to be like, oh, yeah, competitive in a way. Totally. Yeah. 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 Well, I've tried to price very competitively. Yeah. Um, so that price is not even a question for people that if they're considering us over someone else, it, it, it shouldn't come down to price. Right. Um, at least at this level. Like there are studios that are not soundproofed or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, that are, don't have the crazy high ceilings that, sure, yeah. you could get for cheaper. But if you're comparing as far as like a similar, level of quality mm-hmm. anyway um i totally forgot where i was going or what no I was so talking you were about. saying so you were looking into areas in liberty village three four years ago yeah yeah it's a bit, a bit yeah. expensive too expensive yeah. so i started expanding my search around the city and i just yeah. wasn't finding anything that was what i had all, at all pictured um what i pictured was like a really cool trendy space that people would walk into and be inspired right away and think it was awesome and people would just want to hang out there it was going to be great. And I couldn't find it. So I was really close to giving up on it um, altogether. And then my agent, uh, crafty guy that he is, um, you know, he just, I don't know where how he came up with it, but he was like, why don't I try calling some studios around the city, like actually like film studios and see, like maybe they have some space. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like, these giant studios are going to have space for my little idea. Like it's not going to happen, but he found revival and revival had stage 16, this revival film studios for those listening had, uh, what was known as stage 16. And, um, which is where we are now. This is stage 16 or it was. And as soon as I got here, so they were open to it. They're like, yeah, we have this stage, you know, and we'd be open to a long-term lease on it. As soon as I got here and I saw the the star trailers, you know, outside, I think Shit's Creek was here at the time. So Eugene and Dan and, you know, Catherine, all their trailers are outside with their names on the door. And, you know, I had that energy going on in the lot and I came in and I'm like, holy shit, I'm in a real film studio right now. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Okay, what's it going to cost me? I'm like, there's no way. And it's like, holy shit. Like, based on the per square foot, rate which is how um commercial real estate is priced yeah um it was definitely more than i had originally planned to commit to as far as a monthly lease is concerned however it was also way more space way cooler and just like ready to go i did end up renovating just to like modernize things a little bit and and make it cool because i was saying i wanted a place that people would come in and be like wow and like be inspired by it so that was, you know, so I did end up having to do some renovations around here, but, uh, but it was a, already a film studio. Like it was already soundproofed and all these other things that I would have had to sink crazy money to try and do in some old loft space. I didn't have to do. So it was kind of like a no brainer. I don't, I, I did, I did have to do a bit of research because I was a bit out of my realm as far as st- I'm standing in a studio that was 
you know, the whole, the studio itself, I think was 5,000 square feet or something. It was one open space yeah. with a, with a big white psych. Yeah. You know, and I'm standing in there. I'm like, I've never been in a studio this big. Like I've worked on productions that had budgets for this type of thing potentially, but they were yeah. on location. Like I've never been in a studio like this before. Holy shit. What I don't even know. Is there even demand for this? Like, I don't know. Yeah. So I did have to do a lot of research and talk to talk to people that I know and trust. Yes. I talked to anyone who would give me two minutes of their time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I went around to other studios with similar sized offerings as well. So the, so to speak, competition, I went and checked them out Yeah. and saw what they, what they were offering and, and mm -hmm. if they seemed like they were busy or not, you know, mm -hmm. and I ultimately, so I decided to go for it. And so here we are. So I was, I built houses and now I run a studio. So yeah, it's, no, it's interesting that you've come from a non like creative speaking background uh, to this. So do you, I mean, from Astrolab and what you've brought in, what were, I, I guess, what, what have been some of like your favorite uh, pieces that have come into, to the space? Um, I mean, that's, it's honestly hard to say like a, f like favorite. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always remember like the big brands or like, you know, when we've had people like DeMar DeRozan in here. So I'm like, my initial reaction is to jump to something like that. Um, yeah. But you know what actually I think was probably one of the cooler ones that's a bit of like a more of an outlier, so to speak, um, at least when you're comparing it to the Gatorades of the world, um, would have to be there's this artist called Jay Dart. And he did this whole thing about um, magical mystery beards. And it's really like it's <laughs> fucked up kind of, but it's 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 awesome. Um, and he brought these jars in. They were like scientific looking jars, probably about I'm, I'm making hand gestures. So for people who are listening, <laughs> it like it's probably about a liter picture, like a glass jar, about a liter in size. And inside each jar, there was a different magical mystery beard. And uh, they were like different bright colors. Um, and they were doing this like little doc basically about him and this, his magical mystery beard series it was really, really cool. Um, oh, wow. and there was this like transition where he's like in the snow for real, or there's a guy in the, I, it's been a while now, but they transition and this is why they wanted the white studio. Um, they actually used the infinity psych for its sort of true purpose. And, and they did this cool transition where like, you couldn't even tell he went from like outside for real to in the studio and the way they did, it was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Um, so that was probably one of the more memorable. We've had so much cool shit though. Like I, and I, so I have to say like a shout out to all everyone who's created <clears throat> here because there's been so much cool stuff that when people ask me what cool stuff I'm like, uh, yeah, I struggle, but I have a spreadsheet actually, and I hate spreadsheets, but I have a spreadsheet <laughs> where I keep track of, of what people shot here. Yeah. Um, because otherwise I would forget. And well, it's uh, good to have that too. Good to look back on and stuff. Yeah. Well. The real reason I have it to be honest with you is, um, you know, for my, for our Astrolab social media accounts, uh, as I mentioned, you know, content is very important. Yeah. Um, you know, and we did, we're a small team. Um, so we have an intern right now who's helping a ton create a lot of really awesome visual content for us. Shout out Johnny. Um, and that's great. But when he wasn't around, you know, the, the pre Johnny era, um, it's hard to create content, right? Yeah. It's just the two of us here, Jeff, Jeff and myself. So, 
um, having this great content that people are creating mm -hmm. in the studio, mm -hmm. uh, especially getting behind the scenes of it. Behind the scenes is it really always tends to do well with our audience. Yeah. Um, but it's like free content for us. So a lot of the stuff that's being shot here, you know, some of it comes out in a couple of weeks if it's like a quick turnaround thing. Others, it's like a year, like who knows, right? So uh, this way I can track them all and I and I have a thing that denotes like, have I shared this before or posted about it on social media? Yes or no kind of thing. So that I can just quickly, if I, yeah, I'm in a pinch for some content, you know, whatever, I need something to post, I can go in there and just have a browse through. Like, oh yeah, that shoot that came through here. Let's see if they've posted anything yet and go look. Yeah. Oh, cool. Here's their finished video. This is dope. Cool. And I'm going to post that. You well, know? it's funny that you mentioned that because, <clears throat> so I mentioned this was our uh, uh, first episode, but we did record uh, something a week prior just between Mark and I, uh, and I had posted a photo, well, I mean, whatever, just on my story, and I tagged Astrolab, yeah. and a few people had messaged me, some who knew my relationship with you guys right. already, that we've worked together, but others like, oh my God, that's so cool, how did you get to shoot at Astrolab? Oh, that's nice. my revival, right? And then another guy said, oh, hey, like... I'm actually looking to, and we'll, we could talk about this after I didn't mention it, but um, one guy actually messaged me because he wants to record his own his own thing here. And, you know, oh, wow. he was, yeah, asking for information. Nice. Um, so that matters a lot. And that was a behind the scenes shot that uh, yeah. Dwayne had got. So that matters a lot because the more I feel, the more you get your audience involved in your creation, even if they're right. not specifically like there that day, like you yeah. make them feel as if, mm -hmm. oh, like, look, let's take you on this journey or even like Instagram stories or something yeah. you're bringing behind the scenes. It's a funny um, insight, actually. Yeah. I, I didn't think of it that way because I always thought these people are doing me a favor because they're creating this awesome content and they're sharing it and then I'm able to share it as well. Yeah. And it looks great on us and it helps our business and everything. But not too long ago, I had a, a young producer um, email me after I shared the directors. Uh, one of the director posted a BTS photo and I shared it on our Instagram. And the producer emailed me to say thank you, which I thought was, she's like, oh my God, we just want to say thank you so much. Like, she's so excited that you shared her photo and like, it means the world to us that you would sh like share our project. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Like, you're thanking me? I'm like, well, thank you for yeah. sharing this awesome photo that no, then a, I was able to, to post. You it's know? a two, like, no, it's a two way thing. And <clears throat> I guess that's bringing me into uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you because you really helped. Uh, so for listeners who don't know, Astrolab Studios sponsors uh, the Future Film Showcase, uh, the film festival that I run. Uh, you guys really helped us get off the ground. And we, you know, at a time when, you know, you're just starting out, you're pitching, at least in our case, we're pitching to like different companies and, you know, studios and, and even people to work for us. Uh, you guys gave us an opportunity. You guys were one of the guys that said yes. You know what I mean? Like, we get we a festival that's been around. I think we I think we partnered. Maybe we we're in our third year. Your third year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, it was your third festival. Yeah. So we, you know, we're this new upcoming festival. We come into this and and we come to this studio. You know, we do this photo shoot, and all that's going through my mind is like, holy shit! Like we could actually do this. And it's kind of like we were talking about mm. briefly before is when, you know, you get those people that say yes, or you have those people that show up. Those those are the people. Those are the, those are the moments that kind of remind you that you can keep going. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. for me, you know, that's I've you know as as wow. is everybody with their own like you know uh, with you know mental health and everything like understanding that you know when you're taking part in these huge ventures, sometimes you can doubt yourself, right? Sometimes you can doubt yourself that you can continue, and you have those moments in which you you um, kind of face like this creative block, you know. 
the day of that photo shoot or our partnership uh, in itself really reminded me that we could keep going. So I guess hmm. my next question, you know, being, I guess, a business owner as well, how do you kind of get over those like slumps? Hmm. You know, when you have those slumps where, I don't know, maybe in your case, you're not booking as, as many clients, yeah. right? Or like, how do you, how do you kind of get over that? Well, I mean, it's a good time to ask me that question because I'm in one right now. Um, you know, I mean, the start of the year is typically quiet. So I, I'm a little, and this is actually only our, this is technically only our second January because we opened in February 2016. So we're going into our third February, although we only opened mid-February. So really we're our first full, okay, I'm totally confusing myself and everybody listening. Um, basically... I haven't figured out the trends yet, but I did know from last year that this year would January would probably suck. So um, that did help a little bit. So I guess to answer your question is a, a part of it has just been experience um, and growing a bit of a, a skin, so to speak, um, a thicker skin for it. Um, you know, I remember back when I was first getting out of college and I was getting into agency work and I was seeing um, the senior level people and what they were doing, like they were working crazy hours and then they would go, uh, to evening events. They had kids at home and I was like, I didn't understand how they could possibly handle the stress because I was so stressed out. And like, I had nearly like a quarter of the shit that they had to deal with on my plate. Um, and I thought I could never, I don't think I could ever do what they do. Like, how do they do it? They're heroes to me. They're insane. But then uh, as you go up through the ranks and you learn and you grow, suddenly you're in their shoes now and you're like, okay, now I know how they can do it because now I'm doing it too, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that just came through experience. Um, you you learn just through doing and, and through experience. So so that's one thing is I, I rely upon my experience and, and what I know to be true. Yeah. Um, and I have to just remind myself of that when, when my um, – that le evil little voice inside my head um, starts to get louder and and tell me that um, this is a failure. Mm -hmm. um, I have to just quiet it down by going back to my experience and then also um, knowing about the good times. So um, for where we are in this business, we've had a lot of success. So despite the fact that um, it's not profitable yet, um, and obviously I would like it to be, um, you know, we've had a ton of success. A lot of really cool stuff has happened for us that if you had asked me if it would have happened in this time of us being around, I would have said, yeah, right. Like, good luck, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just have to keep that in mind. And then when I do, um, I know it's all going to be all good. <clears throat> so I am moving forward. Why, uh, why do you feel like it is important to support emerging creators because you do, you know, you do work with a lot of uh, a lot of professional companies, sometimes big companies, and mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you also support smaller festivals. So you support the Future Film Showcase. You support uh, the team over at Toronto New Wave. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. why do you think it is important to help these emerging creators establish themselves? Well, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily about uh, specifically helping emergency emerging creators as it is just mm -hmm. about helping people in general. Like I. Not to sound like I'm like some charitable, you know, whatever. Uh, but but I do I do genuinely enjoy um, if there's something that I can do to help other people succeed and and get whatever it is that they see as success, then that is like a really really good feeling. So like 
just for my own self to feel like to make me feel good for that reason alone. I, I love to help people however I can, whenever I can. Um, so yeah, for me, that's really all it is. And, and, you know, and then from a, like truthfully, from a business perspective, you know, just put my businessman hat on for a sec. Um, it makes sense because they're the ones who are coming up and they're the ones who are going to be shooting stuff for the next several decades, hopefully. Um, and I want them to be here shooting it at Astrolab, right? So I'm, I'm smart as a business person, I think, to capture, not to <laughs> toot my own horn, but it's a smart business decision yeah. to support the future, right? Um, of course, not forgetting about, uh, you know, the old folks, <laughs> so to Forget speak. the old folks. <laughs> right? But, uh, but no, I mean, so that's just like the brass tacks of it, but... But yeah, like the the deep down the the real emotional why is that I get a lot of joy out of just helping people succeed. I I used to teach. Um, I've taught at uh, George Brown. I taught a couple of different courses part time, and I I love that because like people would come in um, either with an idea or um, you know with a certain level of knowledge about something, and then I would get to see their progression on yeah. either like bringing their idea to life or just seeing how they're putting the pieces together and learning something new. And, uh, and then they're thank they're coming, coming to me and saying, Oh my God, like you have no idea. Like you actually completely changed how I do this thing or whatever it is. And this crazy impact that you have on these people. And, and I think of like how, just how easy it was for me to do that. Like it didn't require, you know, it wasn't painful for me. Um, it didn't cause me any grief in any way. Um, sure, I had to put work in. You know, it's not easy to teach a course. There is a lot of time put into preparing your materials and all that stuff. But I, but I enjoyed doing it. So, you know, it was like I get to do something I like to do and also feel super rewarded for doing it. Um, it's kind of like that. You know, it's like it's so easy for me to say, hey, oh, yeah, you want to make that really cool thing. and you know, you, but you can't quite like, you need a studio and it's maybe a little out of your budget. Um, okay, cool. You know, like I've got some studio time available coming up or whatever. And it's, it's not difficult for me to, to say, okay, well here, the studio's here already. So I didn't, I don't have to like build a studio every time someone wants a favor. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have to like lug grip stands, uh, halfway across the city, yeah. uh, or any of that stuff. It's, it's all here. So, um, so it's just kind of, yeah, I know it's a long winded answer, but, um, I do it cause I love to. And because why not? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, <clears throat> from the bottom of my heart, obviously being a, an emerging creator, um, thanks man. Thank you. Honestly, thank you. You're like, welcome. You know, it's people like you that are, uh, helping dreams come true, you know, as cliche as that sounds, um, you know, well, thank I can't, you. I, you know, I came in here, want to do a podcast. Now you're on the podcast and it's. Uh, it really means a lot to me, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for for coming on board. Yeah, thank you for having me. And sorry for going on so many tangents. Like, just your questions are. <laughs> I, I'm going on another tangent just talking about it. So yeah, thank you so if much. No, it's, yeah, it was fun. If yeah. no tangents, we have no show. <laughs> there you go. I just hope I didn't bore your listeners. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah.